We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer, Captain Kuch with another one. Oh, and a hammer from Matherin. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch, Jackson the basket. Come on, Miles. To Tyus. He does. Tied at 106. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning his Brissett. Pounds it home. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Ball loose. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I am joined by the one and only Michael WWF Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, long live wrestling my childhood, but my second love or my real, real other love, the Indiana Pacers. Alex, I'm back. That's not that's not what my WWF stood for, Fachi. Oh, I don't know. What do you got? Washington Wizards fan. Oh, wow. He baited me into it. All right. Grew up and you embraced fan. it. That is year sick. You got me. All right. Yeah. My mind went to wrestling because that's how I grew up. But you know what? I'm here to talk about my other love. The Indiana Pacers. Alex, last we recorded, it was Thursday. I don't know why it feels an eternity ago. Maybe it was because the episode we did was out of Bizarro World where right after we recorded it and uploaded it, it's like it didn't even exist because they yeah. quickly. 15 minutes into the episode being up, basically, people are listening to it. And then, of course, I'm sitting there eating dinner, Fachi. <laughs> I look up and it says, all right, DeAndre Ayton has signed his offer sheet. And I'm like, man, that happened quick. Like, they didn't even wait till midnight. Like, they didn't even try to make this last longer. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we made fun of Shams on the episode for not being anywhere near this. And then and off the top us. rope, he's like, oh, he's already matches offer sheet. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what, what just happened here? So I took a major L. I was listening back to the episode. I started laughing. I said, man, I sound like a complete idiot here uh, counting out Shams for this. But let's talk about this contract. So, so obviously the Pacers did indeed offer a max 
offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton, four years, $133 million. But Afachi, that was it. It was a very basic straight contract. And the Suns match it in three minutes. What were your thoughts on how this all played out? I honestly, I was at my in-laws place and I just, I got quiet. I got really quiet and it's hard to make me shut up, but I got real silent and I just went, wow, just like that. It was almost like the second the word was confirmed, hey, uh, Aiden inked it. It was the Suns were immediately like, oh, nope, right? There we go. We're matching it. And then that was it. And all of a sudden I looked at it and it was like, man, like, am I really just going to pat the front office on the back myself and say, hey, we went for it. It's progress, but that's all we had to show for it. That's it. So it felt like that was the sun situation all along. No wonder why we weren't able to work out a sign and trade in any you know capacity because they were never going to agree to a sign and trade. This was clearly their plan all along. And you know what they did? They avoided the fifth year on that option for Aiden. So the Suns actually end up saving a lot of money while bringing Aiden back. They'll get the savings down the line. But for us, man, we're left out in the cold once again. I think there's a couple ways to look at this because obviously it was July 14th when the contract was, you know, offered to Aiton and that offer sheet was signed by Aiton before the Suns matched it. And, and I think to myself, if the Pacers were going to do this all along, why wouldn't they have done this sooner? And that is because I think they were clearly waiting on the Kevin Durant situation to play out because we know for a matter of fact that Brooklyn Nets did not want DeAndre Aiton for whatever reason. It was rumored out there. Maybe they didn't like the pairing of him and Ben Simmons together, which I can kind of understand that. But they were out on eight, and there was a lot of talks about eight and going to a third team. Maybe a four team gets involved, a, a big, massive trade. And I think the Pacers were trying to wait for that to happen. But they also knew that Dwayne Washington Jr.'s, um, you know, his date for picking up his option was going to be coming up soon. And so I think they were just tired of waiting. And, and that's where I, I, I get the vibe of the Pacers. They tried to make this work, not only with a three-team trade, but also with a sign-in trade with Phoenix. I, I think there's a lot of ways to look at this, but I will say this. I was like, I'm kind of confused why the Pacers didn't add any extra incentives to this pot, uh, to this um, contract, pot, to this offer sheet. And Jay Michael, you know, messaged me or tweeted at me on, on Twitter and basically was just like, maybe the reason the Pacers didn't add any incentives is because Aiden really didn't want to go there. And I, I thought, well, that does make some sense, but I also think it's very interesting the fact that the agents for the Suns put this out around three o'clock. Why did they put it out so early that they had agreed to this? They were trying to put the pressure on Phoenix to work a sign and trade out. So I don't I believe, I don't believe that Aiton didn't want to be in Indiana because I have been told that Aiton and his camp were ecstatic about playing with Tyrese Halliburton. So that makes me feel good. But did you have any qualms or were you a little bit upset that the Pacers didn't add any extra incentives to try to make this more difficult for the Suns to match? Now, you know, I, I saw that before where um, when Brooklyn sent out an offer sheet for Otto Porter a few years ago, uh, they tried to make it really hard to match to the point where Otto Porter uh, Jr. got 50% of his money guaranteed up front. 50% was paid up front to try and make that offer sheet very hard for Washington to match. The Wizards ended up matching it, but this was a situation that, you know, maybe I don't know if that really would have made the difference for Phoenix. It could have made it obviously a little bit tougher, but, you know, that would have been interesting. And to go, you know, with what you were saying, I definitely believe that Aiton did want to play for the Pacers. Obviously, the big thing is Aiton wanted a max contract. I'm sure he also enjoyed to be able to stay 
in Arizona, where he even went to college, where he's familiar with his teammates and everything of the sort. But let's not make it seem like Aiton didn't want to be a pacer by any means and was just looking at a dollar sign. There, there's there's a, a young, promising core over here that I think would have been very intriguing for Aiton, fit his timeline a lot better. It's just upsetting that it didn't work out. Yeah, so I will say this. I, I reached out to try to get some answers on why this was the contract that they offered with no extra incentives. Like we talked about the 15% trade kicker and all those things that make it very difficult for the team matching to match. And I did not get an answer. So I think there's a reason why the, the, the front office and the, and the Pacers, you know, sources, they want to keep things hush hush, which I understand that they're very private about their business matters. And I, I don't expect them to owe me anything, but it doesn't hurt to ask, right? See if I can get any kind of clarity back, but I will say this. DeAndre Ayton cannot be traded until January 15th to any team in the NBA outside of the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers cannot trade for DeAndre Ayton until July 15th of 2023, I believe. So with that being said, if there were these 15% trade kickers involved, Fachi, in this contract, it would be very difficult for the Suns to trade DeAndre Ayton. And it might be very difficult for the Pacers to acquire DeAndre in a year from now if they wanted to go back after him. So I think by doing this deal, it does make it easier to trade for DeAndre Ayton. And I'm wondering in the back of my mind, is this kind of a blessing in disguise for the Indian Pacers? They didn't give up any of their picks. DeAndre Ayton clearly has stated that he's not happy with Phoenix. I'm very curious to see how he acts in Phoenix this year, whether they get Kevin Durant or not. But let's just say January 15th comes and he's like, I want out. But he also has veto power of where he wants to go for a year. Is there maybe something in the back of his mind that says, I'm very interested in being that number one option with the Indiana Pacers? Because look, if the Phoenix Suns go out and get Kevin Durant, now DeAndre Ayton is going to be the fourth option at best. So that's where he's going to have to figure out if he really wants to be there. And this is the role that he wants, even if it does lead to championship you know, opportunities for him. I can see him still not being satisfied because of him being underappreciated in the way that this all went about. Because anytime you handle your restricted free agents like this, they remember. So I'm personally thinking the Pacers kept it simple. Uh, this is the this is what I've come up with over the last couple of days. I've, I've, I've had time to process everything. I think the Pacers kept it simple. So when they do reach that one year, you know, threshold of them being able to go after him, maybe there's a way they can get back in there and, and try to trade for him and also. By being bad again this year, it's going to allow them to get a better draft pick. And so then if you can trade for him next year, you only got to pay for him for three years and you've got a, a better team overall. Yeah, I definitely like, you know, I like your theory over there. I do think that Aiton is going to be rubbed wrong because let's also remember this. They hadn't offered him a deal, period. They were yeah. really flat out saying, go out there and get an offer and then we'll match it. So that really put Aiton in a situation where if the Pacers weren't going to offer a max contract, I mean, that really could have set the market for Aiton. What if the Pacers were only offering $22 million over there on an offer sheet? I mean, does Aiton sign it? Does he just say, hey, I'm going to sign my, you know, my offer from, uh, from Phoenix and just come back, play it out, be an unrestricted free agent next year? I mean, the Phoenix Suns did not put Aiton in a great situation over there. So I do think he'll remember it. but. Once again, it feels like the league is out to get the Indiana Pacers. Eight and a guy that wanted to be here can't legally be traded to us for a year, just like you mentioned. Then we got the Phoenix Suns once again. They declined Jalen Smith's option. It made it hard for the Pacers to be able to bring Jalen Smith back. It's just 
I don't know why the league keeps putting these hurdles in our way, but at the same point, you made a great point. You bring DeAndre Ayton to the Pacers, they're not just going to, you know, bottom out. They would have been in that awkwardly competitive mode where, you know, they're not quite a playoff team, but they're still in the race for a play-in spot. This does make things easier, and I think it, it points in a direction of what the Pacers should go for now. And now I don't think all of a sudden it's, hey, what's the next up-and-coming star we can get our hands on? I think now it's like, all right, you know what? Let's uh, let's play out with this young core, and let's try and get that better draft pick like you mentioned. And, Alex, there's two different ways to go about it. I'm still very excited for that route. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely right there with you. And I think one of the things that's interesting, too, is – Part of the reason that I think Brian Windhorst brought this up multiple times is the Suns didn't want to trade for Miles Turner because he himself is an expiring contract and they don't want to deal with that contract situation once again. So I thought to myself, well, what if the Pacers worked out a sign and trade where they sign and trade Miles Turner to the Phoenix Suns? They get him on a two to three year deal potentially if they don't trade him, you know, before the season starts. We'll get to that later. But if he's still on the roster at the end of the year and he decides he wants to go to Phoenix, they don't have the cap space. They can work out a sign and trade this way. Maybe you attach a pick or two now because you've already got your guys that you really want to build your core with. And then you go about and get DeAndre in that way, because that to me would make some sense. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen or what's likely to happen, but I could see that playing out that way potentially, especially if DeAndre Aiden makes it known that he wants to come to Indiana. I'm not saying that he does. I think it was very uh, situational. Knowing that think, there was only, I think so. But at the same time, we know that – Duffy and the and the two agents that represent uh, Miles Turner, DeAndre Aiden, and Benedict Matherin have great have a great relationship with the Pacers. So I just wonder if maybe he was really excited about playing with Matherin, somebody that's part of his own agency, and then Halliburton as well, realizing I can probably be the number one here and make multiple All Star games and get a bigger payday eventually once my max contracts up. But at the end of the day, you get it. The Suns had to match it. Now they're in a weird spot because they don't really have a lot to trade for Kevin Durant because getting Aiden involved in a three-team trade would have opened up a lot more opportunities for them. So now it's going to be interesting to see how they go about trying to handle this relationship with DeAndre Aiden because uh, it's pretty clear they did not want to want to give him that max contract. And, you know, as a player, that's got to hurt a little bit. So now it's just one of those things, the Pacers, you know, three minutes. It's all it literally took. I think that's what hurt the most, Fachi, was the fact that it was just matched so quickly. And we didn't even get to wait like one or two days just for the anxiety to give us an, uh, give us a little bit of hope maybe that the, the Suns wouldn't match. Absolutely. I mean, one of our listeners, I want to say his name's Alex, was listening. He tweeted at us and he's like, listen to the pod now, but this just feels weird. And it was like, ah, I don't blame you because that's how quick it really was, though. It was a couple minutes. I, I would have loved to have like woken up the next day and been like, hey, future is bright, Aiton's coming, you know, you never know. But every life hits you so quick that it in the end, Alex, is there a chance that Herb Simon's the biggest winner over here for being able to show that he'll cut the check but didn't have to cash it? I mean, I think right over there, it, it showed we're willing to spend some money now, but we didn't end up spending the money. So just an interesting situation. Yeah, I think that it definitely gets the monkey off his back that he's not willing to spend. <laughs> I mean, fans can't really say that. He's like, I get the largest max the offer largest. sheet in NBA history. You're telling me I won't spend money on guys? <laughs> but I think it does have to be the right guy because sometimes we we overthink it and we're like, well, I give so-and-so a max. It's like, you know, I, I get why you would give DeAndre Aiden a max contract because, look, 
former number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. But um, with that being said, I'm ready to tie a bow on DeAndre Ayton Fachi. It was a lot of fun talking about it. The hypothetical was really cool. If this ever presents itself again, then we will talk about it. But I think for now, we just need to tie a bow on it and move on. Are you ready to move on from Aiden, or do you have any final words? I'm ready to move on and put this chapter behind me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi, let's move on here now. Benedict Matherin, the summer league for the Indiana Pacers, officially comes to an end. I think they went two and three in the five games. So um, had some good moments, had some really bad ones here towards the end. But what were your overall thoughts? I thought when the real core was out there on the court, they looked good. When you had, you know, Benedict Matherin, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, even Terry Taylor out there. Like, I thought those guys looked real good. I mean, that's when the Pacers were two and one or one and oh with Duarte. When you took out those guys, then obviously you kind of saw more of a bare bones skeleton type group. And uh, they did not perform well in the last two games against Washington as well as Phoenix. Uh, that happened earlier today as we're recording this. But Overall, I mean, there was definitely some guys that you got to be real happy with. I know Duarte, you know, showed they still battling the toe injury, but thought he looked real good game one. But the real star of this was Benedict Matherin. We got our first look at Matherin, and Alex, he did not disappoint. In three games, he averaged 19.3 points per game. The most impressive part, he did it in just 22.4 minutes. Mm. Alex, that's good for third in scoring amongst all rookies, eighth in scoring overall, and the 22.4 minutes, it was by far the lowest out of anyone, even in the top 15 in scoring. And to take it to the next level, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the accuracy. 48.8% from the field and just under 39% shooting from three. I don't yeah. know what more the man could have done. Now he looked great. And I, I think if there was one word that I would use to describe his overall game, Fachi, I would just say smooth. Smooth? I, I thought that earlier. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I, I think that he is just so smooth, so fluid. He gets his shot off with ease, I think. And one of the things I do love about him, we talked about this the last time we were on the show. I love the fact that he's not afraid to attack the rim and draw contact because getting to the foul line is huge we talked about Chris Duarte in the first game getting nine free throws well in the third game of the summer league Matherin got 10 free throws so I like that when he catches the ball he'll just go straight at the defender and try to create something look he might not get those calls 
in in the regular season because he's a rookie and he's trying to prove himself. But I do like that about him. And so overall, I mean, I was just blown away with what we saw from him. It's going to be really exciting to see how he plays next to Halliburton and Jalen Smith and whoever the center is for this Pacers team. But, you know, there is a lot of optimism here with him. And I I think we got to give a shout out to to another rookie, Kendall Brown. I, I think Kendall Brown took some massive steps throughout the throughout the summer league and when he was asked to have a bigger role I definitely think that you saw his limitations for sure but he is athletic as all get out Flatchy absolutely He's so fast for how big he is and I think given his his role wherever he plays at whether it's the G League or whether it's with the Pacers and he gets some run here and there in the rotation He's, he's really good about playing off of what others do, and I think that's what's going to help him stick in this league is just good quality defender. Um, he's gonna ha- His shot did look a lot better, I feel like, than it did at Baylor, but I, I think overall he's just going to have to get a little more comfortable with his offensive game. So I, I really like the play of him, and I think Nimhard looked much better when he had those better players out there with him. It's a lot oh, yeah. different when you're not trying to be the guy, uh, forcing a lot. But, you know, Nimhart, I do not like his shot whatsoever. Um, it, it looks kind of funky. And hopefully, you know, he can knock those down and work on it a little bit. But, yeah, I think overall, though, uh, Matherin was so exciting to see. And that's what you're really mostly focused on because this is a guy you're hoping won't be playing in summer league next year and is a huge rookie of the year candidate this upcoming season. No doubt. And when you're talking about hoping that he's not playing in summer league uh, next year, one guy that did play in summer league as a second year uh, and actually led all of summer league in scoring, your boy Moses Moody. Moses Moody, That's my guy, twenty-seven and a half points. So I think it wouldn't be fair if Matherin played in summer league next year because I think that he would absolutely dominate. I think that it looked like summer league was like it looked like the game was coming easy for him. And look, I know it's going to be an adjustment. Uh, you know, when you start playing against everyday NBA talent. But overall, I loved what I saw. When I mentioned third and scoring amongst rookies, he was very efficient. Bancaro was about 40% shooting from the field. So while he averaged you know, 0.7 points per game more, it was basically that Ben McMatherin looked like the second best rookie, uh, I would say, overall. Bancaro had his moments. But either way, I, I think that we saw enough to be extremely encouraged about the future of not only Matherin, but the Pacers overall. So, you know, I'm very excited about that, but I think it kind of leads us into one player that really struggled during Summer League that is unfortunately no longer with the Pacers, but there is an update on him. That's Dwayne Washington Jr. We talked about Dwayne. uh, You know, he was unfortunately waived in the, the move to get Aiton. Washington Jr. cleared waivers, so he is eligible to return to the Pacers, but I don't know. What do you think? Do, do you see a reunion? <laughs> I mean, that's tough, Lodge. It is. Part of me thinks, yeah, I can see one, but at the same time, it's like, would he really want to come back here? I'm sure he would. I think you know? he would, though. There's, Those there's, are his boys, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that nobody picked him up. Same, one, I thought someone could have used him, you know? I mean, just take a flyer on him. He's not making that much money. He's like $1.5 so mm-hmm. it's like Okay, so if he clears waivers, like maybe the Pacers felt good about waiving him because they knew that he would clear waivers if it didn't end up if they didn't end up getting Aiton. So, but they still could have got him anyway if they got Aiton, and then he cleared waivers still. So, you know, I, I don't think they were too concerned about maybe picking him up, but I do think it did hurt the summer league team <laughs> quite a bit because 
as much as we thought he struggled, I think him playing with that starting unit would have been a much better fit than some of the guys they had out there because at the end of the day, I mean, he was on a 15-man roster last year and played in quite a few professional NBA games. So that, to me, while he was struggling and it wasn't, like, the biggest deal for me to wave him, like, I was laughing. I don't know if you saw this or not, but, like, Suns fans were, like, trying to make Oh, that was so ridiculous. They're like, we made the Pacers wave four players for them to not have Aiton for more than three minutes. And I'm like, you do realize, like, none of these guys are going to be on the roster anyway. So it's like, uh, sure, take your little three-second victory lap. But at the end of the day, your relationship with DeAndre Aiton doesn't seem fixed. And it looks like you could be on the outside looking in for the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. So who's laughing now? I mean, And let, and let them know Jalen Smith says, hey, all right, he's happy now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so great point, Pachi. But overall, you know, I mean, Dwayne Washington Jr., it's like we really liked when he came on the podcast. Really good guy. Really funny, charismatic. And, and all the players that we've had on and talked with them about him raved. They, they raved about his leadership. So I, I think if they want to bring him back, I'm totally fine with it. I think he's a good enough player to be on a roster. Don't get me wrong. But um, I also just felt like it wasn't worth you know, not waving him to not go after DeAndre. You had to at least try. So that, that's where I'm at with, with Washington Jr. But he – did he officially clear waivers? Yeah. So it was it was about two hours ago uh, when we – you know, two hours before – maybe an hour before we started recording. Okay. So nobody, uh, nobody really announced that he had cleared it, but we know that there was a timeline there. I think I had seen it on Twitter a couple different places. So – Cool for Washington Jr. Maybe he can come back, but we'll see what happens there. But, Fachi, let's take one more quick break, and then we got to talk about what do the Pacers do now with the rest of this money, and what do they do with their longtime center, longest tenured Pacer, Miles Turner? Okay, Fachi, the Pacers created $31.5 million in cap space, and they basically slapped Miles Turner in the face and said, hey, we thought somebody was better than you at your position, and we went out to get him, and we were going to give them a max contract. So where do the Pacers go from here? That is the golden question because it's a great. Yes, it was a golden question. Hey, there we go. A little play on words and I didn't even (laughs) intend for it. Uh, The free agency like group right now, it's a graveyard. I mean, there is maybe one real player out there that could deserve an offer. And it doesn't even seem seem like he has, uh, you know, many suitors. And let's just talk about it right now. Colin Sexton feels like the big name out there. I'm going to be honest. I can't sell myself on it right now because when you're talking about a real offer, it gets tough. So, I mean, let's start it for you. I mean, do we want to start with Colin Sexton or do you have an area that you want to maybe start with? No, I think Colin Sexton's a good one to bring up. Obviously, he's the most uh, popular name that's out there on the market. Interestingly enough, he was linked to the Pacers earlier on in May, I would say, maybe early June, but I think it was mostly May that we heard his name. We also heard Jalen Brunson heavily rumored to the Indiana Pacers as well. They did just release Dwayne Washington Jr., so they technically have a spot for a guard on the roster if they want to go that route. They did trade Malcolm Brogdon for Aaron Neesmith, who is a guard, um, can play the two or the three based on his size, but Colin Sexton, you know, the Cavaliers, they're in a unique situation because we talked about it before they've got a lot of guards themselves and they went out and picked up quite a few guards during the off season. So what are they thinking with Colin Sexton? I would be surprised if they let him walk for anything. I know that there's been some rumblings that maybe the Mavericks are interested in Colin Sexton, but I will say this, 
Um, if I'm trying to give one major pro to why I think Colin Sexton would be a good fit for the Pacers, I would say this, similar to what I talked about with the Spurs, you have all this money, Fachi. What's it going to hurt? Too much money. What do you, what's it going to hurt to go out there and offer him like a one or two year deal for about 15 to $20 million, something around that range, because you actually have the money. And if he plays really well for you, then you can maybe turn him into something else. Or if you like the way he played, you keep him, but you maybe could flip him and get something else as an asset at the trade deadline. That's one way that I would be uh, looking at it. If I'm the Pacers, okay, we get a really young guard to go next to Halliburton in the starting lineup. How does that impact the rest of the team? Who really cares? I mean, you're talking about a really good young player here that was almost an all-star two years ago. So I look at it that way. They're trying to build on the fly here. They're trying to rebuild this young roster. But if they also don't think he's a long-term fit and, and he might get in the way of a Duarte or a, a Matherin, then maybe they can trade him by the deadline and see if they can get any assets for him. Yeah, I mean, look, his qualifying offer, it's $7.2 million. He's only 24 years old, coming off of an injury. So, you know, his value is not as high as it's been. So, yeah, if you're talking about maybe a two-year deal, like pretty much like you mentioned, in that $15 million range, that I can definitely live with. I know that Colin Sexton about a year ago was seeking about $100 million. I would like to think that that has changed since then, and I am not ready to dish out about $100 million uh, you know, on an offer sheet for Colin Sexton right now. I do think that there is – and while you, know, you can play point guard, you can also play you know, shooting guard, you can slide Halliburton down to shooting guard. I, I think that he's far more of a scorer than he is really a facilitator, while we know that Tyrese Halliburton's bread and butter is facilitating. So it, it's not the worst combination, but it's something that, you know, I'm not overly in love with compared to like an Aiton where you're getting a former number one overall pick who's a center where you have you could have a need there. So I, I'm not in love with it. Yeah, I'm not in love with it either. I just don't hate the idea of going out and getting a guy that you could potentially move. Yeah, a guy that does have potentially high value or, or could have high value, right? Because he was really good, right? So I just don't want to like talk myself into Colin Sexton, but if the Pacers somehow made a play at him or gave him an offer sheet, like I don't think I would be totally disappointed with it. I wouldn't. But at the same time, you know, I, I think just being aggressive and trying to accumulate the most talent makes sense, even if it doesn't totally make sense for the roster. I think right now with this Pacers team, that's what you should be doing is just accumulating the most talent and figuring out how to sort out that talent later down the road. Um, other than that, were there any other free agents that you wanted to talk to the Pacers, talk about the Pacers could go after? When you're talking about like a free agent that's even going to command any money at all, it was really hard to find them. As it relates to restricted free agents, uh, no, because honestly, I, I am an uh, I am not interested in Miles Bridges. There's a lot that needs to get figured out before anything like that could happen. Then as it relates to unrestricted free agents, I mean, we're talking about there's just no, like, guys that really move the needle out there. I mean, look at some of the top names out there. Eric Bledsoe, like, come on, we're not interested in that. Uh, you know, Montrez Harrell, like, eh, no. Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> no, I'm good. You know, it's Your boy just, Mello? Yeah, look, I love me some mellow, but if there's one man that doesn't fit this team right now, <laughs> it might be Carmelo Anthony. So yeah. overall, I, I just can't – there was not one name out there that would be, like, worth meaningful dollars. Like, look, the name that comes to mind is, like, Lance Stevenson, but Ooh. you're not – Yeah. yeah. Who you're is not, that again? Exactly. Hey, Born uh, ready. 
Exactly. That is the man. But I feel like Lance isn't going to be commanding an offer. I don't know if Lance has had a meeting with anyone. I'm interested in bringing Lance back, especially if we're not going to bring back Dwayne Washington. So, but where are we going to spend this money? And when you look at free agents, I just can't find any of them. Can you? I mean, I'm looking at maybe some guys that are some young forwards. I think one guy that does make sense, and I hope I'm pronouncing the last name right, is Jordan Nawara. 23-year-old forward, played with the Bucs. Um, I, I like going after young players like that, that maybe feel like they've been a bit overlooked. Um, I cannot recall this. The list I'm looking at now, they show that he's still unsigned, but I'm curious if he has. I believe signed. he is signed. I'm not 100%, but the, the list that I'm looking at, he's not on it. Okay, I think he's a free agent based off NBA.com. I'm looking at unsigned for all teams. So, like, they still have James Harden on the list because he hasn't technically signed it yet. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, yes, it was matched, but he still is technically unsigned until he passes that physical. Um, so, I, I think Jordan Ward technically is one, but he is a restricted free agent with the Bucks. And then another name that's out there, I don't know if this player would make a lot of sense to you, but I think at 21 years old, if he has not signed with the team, is Sekou Demboya, um, just giving someone a flyer like that. Because, you know, you look at it and it's like, these are forwards the Pacers desperately need to add at that position. I'm just looking at names that could make some sense in that area, Faji. But other than that, there's not a ton of other names out there that make a lot of sense to me in terms of free agents. But um, Eric Pascal, uh, he's 25 years old and he's a free agent as well. I just think position-wise, those are the three names that make the most sense right now. Used to have a soft spot for Pascal. And when, when things went real south for the Warriors, he was someone that was a really good rookie who got a lot of playing time uh, on that team. So uh, I, I feel like things didn't really work out in Utah. Um, I know he got released one of Donovan Mitchell's, you know, buddies from, from childhood. But overall, I mean, it's how sad is it that there's still guys like Blake Griffin out there who a couple of years ago, that would have been amazing. Now it's like, why would it make any sense at all for the Pacers to do that? Like LaMarcus Aldridge, like, look, I talked about, hey, I want a vet on this team, but it just doesn't make sense for those type of guys. Yeah, no, we don't need vets like that. I mean, no, if you're bringing any vet in, it's Lance. Exactly. Or, exactly. or because of how he fit in last year for the week that he was here, your boy Tristan Thompson. Oh, never that. <laughs> I, I was still just, I couldn't believe they even gave him the three games. It made no sense. Everybody knew it. But, I mean, there's a guy, and you used to have a soft spot for him, Jared Culver. He's out there. We got a zillion yeah. guards. But, you know, that's someone, sixth overall pick, I believe, just a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I just feel like he never even really got a shot. It just felt like from the very beginning, he never really got enough playing time. And at this point, I mean, if you're talking about like a minimum deal or anything of the sort, it's really not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even mind signing him to a G League deal just to see if he can maybe work some magic out because I, I think he has some talent, but obviously some flaws, and that's why yeah. he didn't work out. But Still overall, 23. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a name to keep an eye on there, Fosh. But other than that, I don't really think there's any noteworthy free agents to, to dive into too much here. Um, you know, remember that time when someone asked us about Enos Freedom? <laughs> on <laughs> yeah, the that was crazy. I still want to know if they were serious or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, did Kevin Knox sign anywhere? 
Actually, he did. He signed with the Pistons. Okay, that's right. That's right. So I was just going through. They don't have him officially assigned anywhere on this website, so I just want to make sure. But I thought he got picked up. I was just curious. Like I'm looking at names that are kind of familiar at that position, and I know Casey Akpala just got a deal as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on, Fachi. I think now the biggest question mark as we kind of wrap up this episode, uh, I think we need to close it out talking about the longest-tenured pacer, Miles Turner, because, man, Fachi, it, it just feels like, Every time this guy is going to be dealt, he doesn't get dealt. And I feel like his name has been heavily involved in rumors more so this year than any other year. Um, And I know there was a lot of smoke around him with the Boston Celtics and it was almost going to happen then, but it just felt like, you know, Woj said it multiple times. Brian Windhorst said it like, yeah, the Pacers are looking to trade him. And then we heard Chad Buchanan say, they're not actively shopping him, but we do know that they were trying to trade him to the Suns in a DeAndre and Sinan trade. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts overall on Miles Turner and what direction the Pacers should go with him? This is a tough spot. It feels like we talked about this endlessly. The Turner rumors have gone on and on and on, but now this really was the closest that, that they came. It's no secret. Turner was being you know dangled in a sign and trade. The Suns, didn't want him, but also just like you mentioned, uh, you know, they sh- Turner and Aiton share the same agent, so Turner was easily involved in the whole process, being aware of it. Pacers have done a great job of keeping their players informed. I think at this point, I think you do have to look to move Turner. I, I think that the crazy thing is, is I think that this situation in Indiana sets Turner up to potentially have his best year yet, being the lone big playing with Tyrese Halliburton. But it's a matter of does he is he still is he still 100% on board being here even though he was shopped so at this point it might be one of those hey you know we want to we want to have you come back run with this group but also if things don't work out at the deadline we'll move you to where you want to go or if it's hey you know I, this could be our last year together i don't know if turner's going to sign another extension if, you know here if he's going to be continuously shopped so i think that he has every right to be bothered, but also maybe he just takes us as a chip on his shoulder, setting himself up for in a contract year to have his best year yet. There's a lot of ways you can look at this. Um, I think overall Turner probably understands this is the business. This is how things work, but I do think that eventually it's got to become personal. I mean, at what point do you look at the front office and say, do you not value me? Am I not worthy of giving a shot before you just trade me off? Like, I'm 26. It's not like I'm 32. I fit with this young core. I can block shots. I can hit threes occasionally, and I get about seven rebounds a game. So let me let me see what I can do as a lone center. Give me, give me an opportunity. But they clearly said, hey, Miles, we, we know you're a good ambassador for the city. We know that you're a solid shot blocker. You know, Rick Carlisle claims you're the greatest in the world. And, you know, there there's a lot of opportunities here for you if we do keep you. But we also think that this guy over in Phoenix is a little bit better than you. You know, you guys share the same agent, right? We've talked about that. Uh, we'd rather have him as our as our center. So I think what you're clearly doing here and sending a message is, hey, Miles, you're expendable, right? And you have been for a long time. And it also says, we like you, but we don't love you. And that's when a relationship can get difficult is when you're committed to somebody, right? And they're not fully committed back. And maybe that's where this relationship is going is, both teams, both parties would probably prefer to move on. But from what we've been told and what we've heard on our side of things, Fachi, 
it seems like that value for Miles is not as high as what the Pacers want it to be and what fans think it is for Miles Turner. So maybe you get a first round pick. I'm sure you can say you can get one if you can get one for Malcolm Brogdon and, and get a lottery, you know, pick and, and Aaron Neesmith like that. But right now, coming off two season ending injuries, you have to wonder what teams are really going to be biting the apple here, Fachi, to go out and offer anything worth great value for Turner. I don't necessarily see it right now. So I do agree with you there. If he does come back, it'll probably move. Uh, they make a move at the deadline to move off of him. But who says he's not injured by that time? Because history shows itself. He's been injury prone throughout his career. And I think if he's the lone center in this group and he gets more playing time, there's more risk of him getting injured. It's definitely a good point. I mean, there would be more wear and tear on him uh, playing, you know, significantly more minutes. I do think that it could really say, you know, he is healthy by the deadline. I think that he would be in the midst of having his best year yet where he could be able to fetch that late first round pick from a contender. Uh, you know, maybe there, there's a team out there that feels that, hey, we're, we need to stretch the stretch it a little bit, stretch the D. Or maybe just get a, you know, there's an injury at the center position. So I think that that is a possibility. But, I mean, we saw the the Bulls significantly overpay for Vucevic at the deadline uh, a few years ago. So we're not even asking for a significant overpay. We're talking about a first-round pick, not numerous firsts, young talent. So I, I think the Pacers, if Turner is more than happy to be here, I think the Pacers are more than fine to go into the season with Turner. Um, and be able to evaluate, be able to give him that proper look as a loan center, which I've wanted to see. I know a lot of people have wanted to see, but we just haven't gotten to see it. And the timing is just, it's its rough timing given everything involved. So overall, I think that if the Pacers are to be able to make a move, I think they would want to accommodate him to a winning team. Uh, Alex, I did come up with a couple moves over here. You know, we can keep it brief, maybe just yeah. about two moves but over here. Let me, let me cut you off before you give yeah, me your you trades. Got? I'm just curious. You said that you've wanted to see Miles as a solo center for a while. Are you are you Not bluffing? A while. Are you I'm serious? I'm talking about since they traded Sabonis. So you really have wanted to see him get that opportunity, like dead serious. You didn't want to move off of him no matter what? I mean, it depends. If, if there's a good offer out there, I'd like to take it. But I, I what I'm saying is, when we moved Sabonis, it felt like Turner's best chance of being successful was going to be playing with Halliburton as a lone center. I wanted to get to see it. Okay. See it is a is a is a term that it could be it could be twenty games, it could be <laughs> half a season, it could be a year, whatever it is. I like to okay. see it so we know. Hey, we we left no stone unturned, okay. and in this situation, we haven't. The man didn't even get to suit up once with Halliburton. We might never got to see it. Okay. That's all I'm asking because I just want to make sure because me and you both have been pro oh, yeah. upgrading the center position. We both thought Sabonis okay. was better. We both wanted Aiton, yes. and we both have not have talked about not giving him an extension. So mm-hmm. I'm personally just asking you, did you really want to see it? Because there for a little bit, I had talked myself into like, okay, yeah, I, I do kind of want to see this. But as everything's kind of gone about um, over the last couple of months, I've kind of talked myself out of it. I, I think that the writing's on the wall. I think that it's just time to rip the Band-Aid and move on from Miles. I've said that. Since before the trade deadline last year, it's just like it feels like this is just a prolonged relationship that needs to end eventually. And that's not a knock on Miles. I just think that he would be beneficial going somewhere else. And I think the team would be beneficial moving on because, you know, there's this weird thing when you have guys here for like a long time. It's like you owe them something, right? Because they're faithful, they want to be here. But at the same time, like 
it's a business and you have to do what's best for your team. And I think upgrading the team at all costs is the way to go about it. Now you're not trading Halliburton. I obviously get that because you're not going to find a better point guard probably than what you have there with Halliburton, but really any position in the lineup outside of Matherin and what you're hoping he can become, you're okay with looking at upgrading it. Even if it is Jalen Smith, you know, you, you promise him a starting position, but come on now, do we really think like moving forward, he is like this great starting power forward for a playoff team? Probably not right now. So that's why I'm just like, I'm curious what, uh, what trade ideas you have, but I wanted to clarify that because, you know, I feel like with Turner, it, it just feels like the writing's on the wall for me. And I think that the Pacers try to make this work over the next, like whatever many months before the deadline, um, how awkward is it going to be when you're losing a lot of games and, and Turner's not probably getting involved as much as he'd want to be involved. And, you know, it, it just seems like the offense is a little bit clunky because you have no legit rim runner and everybody's picking and popping. I just feel like his fit with this group and especially Jalen Smith doesn't make a ton of sense. No, it, it, it doesn't. And at this point, look, you know, I think that long-term the Pacers probably benefit most from being able to let Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson get as much run as possible over there. Just as it goes back to the statement before, in a perfect world, I would have loved for Turner to have come back for like 10 games at the end of last year and been able to play with Tyrese so we can get a, a view of, hey, does this make sense? Does it work? But we didn't. And at that point, it's just, you know, it feels like a relationship where you're taking a break with someone, but you want to work it out, but you're still taking those breaks and you've kind of like put one foot out there, one foot out of like, hey, I could kind of see life past Miles Turner. And at this point, yeah, we can. I think all Pacer fans have finally, there is no longer the Sabonis versus Turner debate. It kind of just feels like people are saying, hey, look, I like Turner, but set the man free. You know, let, yeah. let, let, trade him elsewhere, see what you can get. We're starting over. It doesn't make sense. He, The man probably wants to win, wants to be a little bit more featured. And at this point, I don't see the Pacers just featuring Turner more and while wanting to win. It's, oh, we want to get these young guys in there. And it's not that Turner's old, 26 years old, but it just feels like, you know, just a different direction for both parties. Yeah, I, I agree, Foxy. So I want to hear these trade ideas that you came up with here for Turner. Now, I got to preface it, given that where the market is, none of this is sexy. So, you know, oh, really, I don't, I don't think anyone's heads up. I, I got to preface it because I don't want people to be like, that's what we're getting for Turner. It's like, hey, man, if we get a pick, that's a success. So right now, uh, the first deal we've heard this before, Nets Pacers. It's Joe Harris and the Nets 2023 first round pick for Miles Turner. Now, the Pacers are going to be having an extra year of uh, Joe Harris at right around $19 million are taking on, but you can look to flip him the following year. There's always going to be a need for shooters and you're getting that Nets pick. Now, mm. maybe they protect it a little bit because they don't know where they're at, but you're acquiring your fourth 2023 first round pick. Thoughts on that? Oh man, Fachi, I think I'm out on this one. Okay. All right. Hey, I preface it. This ain't the sexiest of deals. I think I'm out because I don't want the extra year of Joe Harris. I understand. Um, for what could be a mediocre pick. <laughs> and, and and that's very possible. I mean, if they keep Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, this could end up being, you know, almost like purchasing, say, like the 28th pick for like $19 million. You know, that's not unless yeah. you end up flipping Joe Harris the next year and yeah. get another pick. Yeah, I mean, I guess you technically could. Like, we've talked about this a lot, so I don't want to keep being redundant, but you could flip potentially Buddy and Joe Harris out to the, the Lakers for, for Russell Westbrook. 
uh, around like February, the trade deadline. I mean, you could do that. Maybe you get another pick with that. So it's not like the end of the world, but I just, I just feel like number one, if the Nets were that in on Miles Turner already, don't you think that we could have got a three-team deal done here for the Kevin Durant stuff? So I don't, I don't feel like they're as high on him as maybe we hope or think they might be. But, um, you know, Joe Harris, I don't think he's as negative as a contract as people think. But if I'm the Pacers, I'm looking to keep as much salary open for next season if I can. Because while there will be 15 teams with a lot of cap space next year, I think the Pacers having that max space could be players once again. And, you know, going out and maybe going after a restricted free agent. I mean, there are a ton of restricted free agents for next year's uh, class. I know one of them is already off the market. Your guy, Kelton Johnson, but oh, the Spurs man. got that extension. Yep. So uh, a he very was a reasonable deal also four yeah. years for 80. Yeah, that was a name that I was looking at. I mean, but there's other names out there too that could make sense. The Pacers want to go that route. So I, I'm more so on the idea of keeping my max cap space available and only taking on contracts that are expiring this year. Um, if a team wants Turner and maybe getting picks back with it. All right. All right. Well, then, uh, you know, how about this one? Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's a little tweak. We've heard this deal countless times, too many times. It's the Lakers. It's the Pacers. It's Turner and Buddy for Russ 2027 first. And it's going to be two second round picks. We are not going to be able to get two firsts in this deal. I know people think that's still an option. That is not an option. The, the Lakers aren't going to just this isn't going to be the deal they trade everything for at this point. So it's a first, you buy out Russ, and you get two second-round picks. That's the Lakers pick and Chicago's pick for 2023. Yeah, this is a little bit more enticing to me, but at the same time, I wonder. I, I don't mind taking on Westbrook. Russ has because, to be bought out at that yeah, point. You have to buy him out. I understand that. I'm not opposed to it. Trust me, I'm not. I've talked to people in person. They're like, well, I, my, they're like, my kids tell me that, you know, we're, we're might be going after Russell Westbrook. I'm like, I don't think it's really going to happen based on what conversations I've had with people that, you know, have good, you know, sources with the Pacers. <laughs> That's what I'll say. I, I've got the feeling that never will happen. So don't get your hopes up, but I do think it makes sense. Flash. I do. I, I, I don't hate the idea of getting more assets, especially if you know, this is where we're at. I think it was, Jake Fisher on his latest podcast, please don't aggregate this. He was talking about what the Pacers do now in the aftermath of the, the DeAndre Ayton stuff. And I didn't get to listen to everything, but he did talk about the Pacers potentially being a team that could be willing to take on, you know, these salary dump type of things. So, you know, if the, if the Lakers are desperate to get involved, even if it's for Kyrie, I think if there's a way the Lakers can get more desperate for Kyrie than Buddy and Miles, I mean, then you maybe you're looking at two picks, and I think the Pacers would have a harder time turning that down. But if the Lakers are unwilling to move off of two first-round picks, I don't think Indiana does this deal. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand. I think that the Lakers are going to want to hold on to that pick until they get a potential, like a home run of a deal, basically a deal that it's just like, wow, they, you know what? They can't hold that up. This is you also got to remember. This is LeBron's last year under contract, I believe. Yeah, they got to so go all in. They, 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 they have to. You know, we've heard before, I think Windhorse reported it, LeBron doesn't care about a 2027 first-round pick. That pick will be traded. It's just <laughs> the status of the Lakers is, is where we're at over here. If they're looking a little bit desperate, all of a sudden, Turner and Buddy, they're looking good at that point. So, And then also Russ, if the, the Rust fit still doesn't work under Darvin Ham and the, and the rest of the Lakers, then all of a sudden, you know, buying out Russ at the halfway mark of the season becomes a lot more appealing. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. Is I think I saw somewhere where it was like LeBron James is, you know, 
kind of like hellbent or adamant on getting Kyrie Irving to the Lakers, where the Lakers are more like sold on going after Buddy Heald. <laughs> yeah, laughing. yeah. I'm just it. like, really? Okay. So one deal, like you said, I think could make some sense as a three-team trade with the Lakers and the Nets and the Pacers where Miles and Buddy go to the to the Nets and Russell Westbrook comes to the Pacers and then we get two picks from the Lakers because at that point, if they're going for Kyrie and LeBron's really kind of driving the the hammer home there, like, hey, we got to get we got to get Kyrie here no matter what it takes. You know, I think push comes to shove. Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss are, are going to cave, I think. They're, they're being strong right now, but no, I mean, they're going to want to win another championship because at that point, nobody will criticize their move if they win another championship. And I do think, as crazy as Kyrie is, I do think that he could help them win another championship. Uh, much better fit than a guy like Russell Westbrook. But let me throw this out at you, Fachi. What if, throw it. What if the Warriors get involved in a Kevin Durant trade? They have so many pieces that are so appealing. It's insane. I would love to third wheel that trade. Right. So here's the thing. So you're going to have to get rid of Andrew Wiggins in this kind of trade for money purposes. But Andrew Wiggins cannot be traded to the Brooklyn Nets. You know why? Because he signed that rookie max extension with the Timberwolves before he got traded to Golden State. And because they already acquired Ben Simmons on that rookie max extension, they cannot have two players on the Brooklyn Nets that were given two rookie max extensions from other teams. So that means Andrew Wiggins would probably have to come to the Indiana Pacers, okay? And so now you're looking at Kevin Durant going to Golden State, and then you're probably looking at a, like, you know some kind of combo of picks with Kuminga, Moody, and Wiseman going to the Nets. And so at this point, you're basically absorbing that contract for them with an expiring Andrew Wiggins. Now you could move potentially a guy like TJ McConnell uh, in this deal to a team like Golden State, because I think he could fit their system a little bit with his fast paced playing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you could potentially throw in Miles Turner going to the Nets or Buddy Hill or something like that. But then you're just throwing a bunch of players on that team, <laughs> which it just makes it more complicated when you have the cap space. But I do believe this is a, a deal that could make some sense. It's just basically taking on um, that Andrew Wiggins contract and getting rid of something else and shipping it out, whether it's to Golden State or, or Brooklyn. And maybe you get a player a position because they desperately need a starting wing, in my opinion, especially at the three. We saw how good Andrew Wiggins was defensively. And the Warriors are upgrading with, of course, Kevin Durant. But this, to me, makes a little bit of sense. Not perfect sense, but I don't hate the idea. So the Pacers are getting Wiggins for what? Half a season? Is this a mid-season deal? Or is this a before the season? This is before the season. Okay, so you're getting Wiggins on his expiring deal for the year. Yeah. Okay, and we're moving, what, Turner and is you there? You can move Turner. You can move Daniel Tice to the to the Warriors because I think the Warriors would be sending out about $52 million based on when I did these uh, fake trade ideas in my head on Friday. I was looking online at it. So um, you could see Daniel Tice to the to the Warriors to give them some more added depth. They've already got uh, Dante DiVincenzo. They got Kevon Looney. They've got some other pieces there as well that they've picked up. But, you know, that could be a player you could trade him, T.J. McConnell, one of those two, or you could trade him, or you could trade Turner to the Nets to, to free up some cap space. But basically you have to just make a minor move to be able to absorb that full contract of Andrew Wiggins. But that would be what it is. Andrew Wiggins on his expiring deal, you don't get any picks involved, but you get a player that's really good fits in with what you need and I think would be a massive trade asset at the trade deadline. 
I think that Wiggins would be a big asset at the trade deadline. That's why I wanted to get your get the feel of where you're going with this. Of mm-hmm. hey, are the Pacers looking to flip him again? Or are they looking to then you know offer him a contract in the off season? Or are we able to get money for the future off the books? I know. Tice would be getting some of that money off the books. It's not substantial money, but if we were going to make a deal, I want to know what that next step is. So if it is moving Wiggins, then half a season, you know, at the trade deadline, I like that because I do think that a team would pony up something for him. Definitely a first round pick, especially if he's playing the way that he played in the playoffs. One quote, you know, not even to get too deep into Wiggins, but he said, looking back, I don't know how I ever averaged four and a half rebounds. It was just the Memphis series made me be more of a rebounder and I'll be a better rebounder moving forward. So I feel like something has clicked with Wiggins. It's funny how about a year ago, two years ago, we, we made it seem like taking on Wiggins was this big negative. Like we would, you know, remember it was like, ah, man, I'm not taking on Andrew Wiggins. We're like, we're going to need to get one of those top picks from the Warriors. If we're taking that on all of a sudden Wiggins was in the running for finals MVP. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So uh, if, if the plan is to flip him at the deadline, then I like that because I do think that would bring a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that to me is a, an interesting dynamic that you could go about getting Andrew Wiggins because I do think that even if he's an expiring, there's going to be teams that would be desperate to get him. I think the Pacers say, hey, just give us your best for the first four months of the year and we'll try to find a good home for you and we'll work a deal out. Obviously, we know that we're trying to lose games, but I do think that he would fit a position of need and – I also wonder if they just let it play out the whole year, didn't find a deal they liked, and then worked out a sign and trade in the offseason. Um, I think know, I can see that. That that could happen too, especially if you're looking at a team like Phoenix. If they don't get Kevin Durant, maybe they decide they want a guy like Andrew Wiggins. They don't have the money for it. Pacers can work out a sign and trade for Aiton. Now you're back to where you want to be <laughs> at. So, Because um, I think Wiggins with uh, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, and, and Chris Paul could make some sense and then go find you a center. That, to me, makes a lot of sense, Foch. So that's all I'm saying. Like, I, I don't hate that idea in my mind. But, uh, you know, overall, I do think that that is something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, do you really think Kevin Durant wants to go back to Golden State? I don't think he would hate it. I don't think it's his top option. Uh, I think that it sounds like he really wants Phoenix. I also think that, you know, if Durant is traded to the Raptors, I think he would welcome that. I think that could also be a good situation. So I think the Warriors deservingly, you know, should be in that running, but I don't know if he wants to kind of run back there and just do it all over again. But at least at the same point, he would have familiarity playing with, you know, a bunch of those players, you know, your Steph, your Clay, your Draymond's, uh, yeah, I'm not going to – I don't think I really need to throw Kevin – Kevon Looney in there, but, you know, they at least he played was good last year. Looney was, but, you know, a couple of years ago they did play together. But Looney stepped up for sure, deservingly of the contract he got. But, hey, at the same point, before we start getting into how good of a player Kevon Looney is, you know, Alex, was there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap up? No, I think that we pretty much hit on everything. I, I think, though, at the bottom bottom line is – I will be surprised if Turner's here past the dead, deadline <laughs> next Absolutely. year. Um, won't be surprised if he's here to start the season because at this point right now, there seems like there's not a lot left out there. There's maybe a couple trades between like what happens with Donovan Mitchell, um, anything else trade-wise I'm trying to think of that could make some sense besides Durant. Probably not. Um, does Turner get moved? That's that's a big question mark that I think we have for the rest of the, the offseason is, what do they do, number one, with the cap space? And number two, what do they do with Miles Turner and his future? And then number three, 
does Lance Stevenson come back? I know fans are like, really? We're talking about Lance, but I do think that it's interesting because everybody really wants Lance. So uh, in terms of the fan base, most of the fans want him back. I would say at least 90%. There's probably a a minority out there that would be fine with not bringing him back, but um, for a tanking team or a team that's probably going to be losing a lot of games, it would not hurt to have a fan favorite chilling as the 15th man on the bench. No doubt. Here's what I'll say about Turner. I think in this situation, Turner's going to be the bigger man, even though he knows that he was shopped. I think he's just going to keep it professional, use this as a chip on his shoulder, come out, have the best year that he's had. And I do think that the Pacers, you know, he won't forget this. I, I think that very much, if any time, you know, it came to hitting free agency, I think he's always going to remember that the Pacers try to trade him on numerous occasions to numerous teams. But I, I do think that the Pacers will uh, look to move him at the deadline, just like you said. And I think that he will have, more suitors than he has right now and it's not a bad position to be in if you're the Pacers absolutely Fachi so as we wrap it up let the people know where they can find us out on social media and let them know if there's anything big coming up on the podcast absolutely so let's start with the second thing all right before (laughs) I get into where you can find us we have the franchise himself Tyrese Halliburton will be on the very next episode of Setting the Pace. I think this is going to be our best episode yet. Mm. And Alex, I feel like, you know, get into that as well. But tell us what we're going to be debuting at the start of that episode. Ladies and gentlemen, me and Fachi paid someone to make a professional intro for us. So we we had someone else do like a little bit of a rock rift on the last one, but This one is going to be a hip-hop Pacers theme, new era intro for setting the pace. You guys are going to absolutely love it. There are five players that the uh, artist was able to include in their rap, their hip-hop song they wrote for us here. So that is going to be debuting as well on Tuesday with our Tyrese Halliburton episode, Fachi. So I'm absolutely excited to share that one, and I think you guys are going to love it exciting times ahead but alex i'm gonna tell them where they can find us on social finally media. get to it brother and you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three <laughs> you could find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you could find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at setting the pace you can find us on tiktok at setting the pace and alex tell them where they can check us out on youtube man i would just want you to take over that youtube handle for me eventually i know Please. you do but you do it so good Follow us on YouTube at Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast. And if you are excited for the future of the Indiana Pacers, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Let's go Pacers!